Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Tara wakes up around 6.30 a.m. Wakes up is a strong term. She's unsure if she ever slept in the first place. Her mind twirls with emotions. I have a date Friday night. Holy shit, I did it! I really did it! I'm kind of proud of myself, I think. Am I worried? No, I'm never worried. I'm always worried. Fuck. And worse, thoughts. Just random thoughts. Do I need more clothes? No, I didn't need more clothes. That's stupid. I don't need more clothes. But I don't really have rain clothes. Even worse, she has wondered. Why the fuck is there a TP? In Vallis. In my apartment. You have to submit a form as a territory. I didn't consent to any form. Am I doing a bad enough job to warrant this? Probably not. Are they going to replace me? Most likely not. Does Mikhail really like me? Or is this a sick joke? Oh, definitely not. What? Not a sick joke. I mean... Oh. And... The worst of all, she has some worries. Why is Helga sending me letters? How did she get my address? Where is she? Why is she talking to me now? Hmm. What time is it now? Uh, 6.34. Okay. I'm gonna get up. Ugh. I'm aware. Tara stands. There's a new silence in the air. A lack of hard rocks of ice hitting the roof. Tara peeks through her curtains to find utter cacophony on the grounds of Vallis and soothing peace in the sky. Nature's debris has flooded the streets, leaves covering a majority of the asphalt in major puddles with some branches sticking to the walls of some houses, with chipped roofs and missing bricks, but still intact for the most parts. Her mind clears a little. It muddles again as she exits her room and looks to the couch where Prophet B had spent the night, only to find the blankets tussled and very much empty. Ah, perhaps they have already headed out. Well, that's odd, Tara thinks, because they really should be acquainted, but perhaps this is for the best. Perhaps after meeting 
Terra, they decided she had a handle of things after all. That they weren't necessary. That must be it. That's definitely it. Terra, good morning. Sage sits at the dining table with a single piece of toast in front of them and a mug of coffee. Terra's mug. Morning. Uh, Sage, right? Correct. How did you sleep? Oh, pretty well. The massage table blocked the light from the TV perfectly, actually, so you've created a really ingenuitive layout. Right. Does Chieftain Lyoth or the Priestess know you're here? No, I'm not here for them. I'm here for you. And how long have you been here for me? Two weeks. Ah. (laughs) Want some more coffee? Yes, that would be lovely. Tara fires the stove. She fills the kettle with water. I haven't been fulfilling inquiries during my unannounced period, if that is the worry you hold. I appreciate that. And I would appreciate it if you refrained from touching prophetic inquiries still. I've been rooted in the community. I know how to best find resources, and a lot of them are repeat inquirers. Heard. Thank you for setting that boundary. Yeah, so I... I haven't done this before. What boundaries do we need to be setting? Well, just how can I be most helpful to you? In the past, I've done some catch-up work for inquiries, offered time to community projects, investigated things for profits when they had nowhere else to turn. Let me guess. You heard we have creatures that turn pretty colors and wanted to check it out. No. I came to help you. Transitions are hard. The larger the community, the harder that transition is. It has been a lot. Of course it has. And getting the curiosity out of the way, complete transparency, are they true? The rumors of the creatures? The lore? Yes. Really? Yes. Really? Here. Tara, tired, stands and crosses to her apothecary bag on the hanger by the door. She fishes through it for her journal and tosses it on the table. She sits back down and flips to the blue ones page. Wow. You draw. Yeah. Prophets always tend to find a creative outlet. It's fun seeing who picks what, kind of. Oh, that's kind of fun. What is yours? Oh, poetry. I love it. I breathe it. But, sorry, the creatures? Yeah, so the lore is what they're called. They showed up gradually over a couple of years. There's three different kinds. Some appear to be more sentient and aware than others. One lives in Lyoth Hall. A few are kept at the chapel. And the other one that we know of is elusive. Huh. And are they just here? They're centered here. I know the night I was leaving for my residential assignment, one was roaming around the circle in Meropame. It chased me through the circle to Valis, or broke through. Do you think it was waiting for you? Well, it definitely wasn't waiting to make a good impression, at least. And do a majority of folks know about them? Or see them? No, they're still pretty secret. We haven't held a territorial hall meeting about it, so I guess we could take a poll eventually. But what I can tell, only a select few of us know about them. The priestess and only a handful of guardians, the volunteers of the Chapel of Living Things, the Lyoths, and a couple of friends. But seeing varies. I can see, hear, and interact with all of them. Some can only see one. Ellie Lyoth can hear the green lore but cannot see it, and Eller and Mikhail can't see anything. Mikhail? Lyoth, yeah. So short answer, we don't know. I don't know what you'd be able to see or not. 
I guess we can sort that out when it comes to it. But it's been a year and a half, and I feel like we should know more. An excellent starting point, however. You've trailblazed a path toward understanding what is at play here. That isn't nothing. Yeah. You're right. Oh, right, the triad meeting. I need to go. Are are you, like, coming? Am I coming with you? I don't know. Then I do not either. Do you drive? No. Do you? Not until they come up with a renewable fuel source. Ah, noble. Or until they stop putting roundabouts in, whichever comes first. Roundabouts? Why? They scare me. Interesting. Why? You're supposed to stop, but at your own discretion? That's an accident waiting to happen. Ah, so you do not entrust your community with your life in this wheeled vessel. Perhaps it is a metaphor your mind has created to ease your fear of losing control. Okay, maybe, but can we go now, please? Tara power walks to Lyoth Hall, Sage traveling at a much more leisurely stop-and-smell-the-flowers pace behind. They enter the hall's main entrance, finding a few folks milling about. And Agnes sitting on the main stairwell. Tara brisks past, speaking while walking. Agnes, are they in the same spot? Yep, yep, yep. Agnes, good to see you again. Oh, uh, Sage, right? Hey. Great, you two know each other. Hey, Agnes, can you entertain Sage for a while? Um, you like spreadsheets? So much information categorized in an accessible way? Of course I do. Tara leaves them behind and enters the circular dining room. At this long table, Logan sits on the left to the head of the table, looking more tired than ever before. A bit hunched, but elbows pressed firmly into the tabletop, and the priestess sits to the right, wearing their divine obscurance deer mask for the final time. The seating arrangement shifts every meeting to avoid a feeling of ongoing dominance, and Tara always experiences soft discomfort whenever it is her turn in the hot seat. So, in all honesty, I don't really know what's next. Thank you for informing me. I... I'm sorry to hear this. Yeah, well, I am sorry to be experiencing it. Here, sorry. Tara, welcome. No matter, we were simply catching up on the state of... us, I suppose. Me. It's the whole withering away into a fraction of myself thing. Ah, that would be a beneficial conversation if you were withering away into a fraction of yourself. Yet you are not. Don't you have a meeting in Maropame? We're circling out after this meeting, so yes, we should really get going. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, debriefs? Any folk feel inclined to go first? I could. The guardianship has maintained guidelines well. Our inclusivity training really took care of some concerns raised by community members. On the chapel side of things, volunteer rates have gone up as a surprise, but motivation and thoroughness is at an all-time low in my eyes. Interesting. It's like they want to volunteer to feel better about themselves, but don't want to do the work that would actually better themselves. Yeah. Oof. The remasking ceremony is this afternoon in the Chapel of Living Things. Ah, yes, and that is at 4.30? Uh, It's at 5. And do we have any particular duties for that? Just attend. Show your face. The priestess pauses and her posture slouches, suddenly minimizing herself bashful. She laughs. Unlike me. (laughs) Oh, yes. What is the new mask? Are we allowed to ask that? That sounds like a secret secret. 
It is a semi-secret. I can tell you it is the giraffe. Oh. Huh. Won't it just look like a horse without the long neck? Logan's asking the important questions here, I see. Well, what does it symbolize? Longevity. Oh. Because of the neck. (laughs) You're really fixated on the neck. Well, name another giraffe fact. Bot. Okay, and Tara, what of the prophet's state of affairs? I do have an update, which I will phrase as a question. What is it? Do you know what's with the TP? The traveling prophet is here? Here. Quite literally in Lyoth Hall right now. I'm just wondering what's the deal with them being here. I assume they're here to help. Their whole thing is to aid the prophet already in residence and service any changes happening in the territory. But we're not even in the TP pool. You have to have your territory registered and that can only be done at the prophet convention. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Well. Logan? The transition with the lore is impossible. I am not casting judgment on your work. I am simply seeing how large the task is. And what if the traveling prophet can't see them? I can see them. And I'm handling it. I just wanted to give you an extra hand. I have those two. I have you. Let's face it. You barely have me. And integrating the lore into society is not Integrating the task. lore into society? When was that discussed? I'm not sure about that either. I simply suppose there is no reason to not let them live among us as they have been. They've been helpful, almost kind, most of them. To whom? I read your prophetic report on them. It hurt you, yes? An orange one struck your arm. The scar ceremoniously burns a little. One did, yes. None have since, but... Since what? What is the catalyst, or what are they hiding? Hiding? I don't think they're hiding anything. Onyx has been a friend to me. The orange lore at the Chapel of Living Things are fantastic helpers. And also great hunters. And the green one has been a detriment to me. Priestess, with all due respect, your Chapel of Living Things employs the orange ones. Wait, there are multiple? Yes, there are two. Did you not know of this, Priestess? No. I did not. I have not seen them myself. Olvia's face burns under her mask now. This is not anger, but rather a peculiar sort of embarrassment she feels flushing into her skin and bones. Oh. Oh. Like you haven't seen them because you haven't gone over there to look? Or you have for sure been in their presence and not been able to see or hear them? I cannot see them. And the embarrassment reddens as Tara and Logan continue to look at her now. Well, that's fine. Mikhail can't either. Yeah, or Eller. That is so odd to me. I know that the lore are elusive and still are a little secret, so we don't really have a population pool to see who can actually see what, but you and them have been the only ones they don't appear to as of now. Weird. All that to say, this lore integration will be an ongoing discussion. Luciana Lyoth peeks into the dining room. Lo, we really ought to get going. Ah, yes. Logan stands. Carefully. Tara, priestess, I apologize again for not being able to attend the masking ceremony, but I will hold the process in greatness. Thank you. Let's take a break. This season of Average Folks is sponsored by Escape Space Games Tualatin. Located just off of Tualatin Sherwood Road, Escape Space Games hosts six different escape rooms, each with their own unique themes and puzzles. Gather your friends and family for exciting adventures like the Toy Museum Heist 
Rumors say that the owner of Randy's Toy Museum has acquired some sort of secret artifact not on display to the public, and it's up to you to find it. Or work together to solve the mysteries of castaways, where you must face a series of physical and mental challenges in the style of a certain tropical TV game show in order to keep your spot on the island. Visit the magic garden of the Beanstalk, where the gardener is getting antsy and looking for a successor. Do you have what it takes to discover the secrets of the garden? Explore your senses with the Tualatin Valley Room, where you'll need your sense of touch, smell, sound, and sight in order to escape in time. Stage a prison break in Cell Block, where you and your team must first escape their own cells and then make your joint escape. Or get cozy with Tuta Tango, a two-person room with a mystery to solve about these two particular dancers. Adults play for $30, and kids under 12 play for $25. Escape Space Games is open Friday evenings, all day Saturday, and Sunday afternoon. Weekday plays are available by appointment. Visit escapespacegames.com or call 503-610-2394 to book your room today. Well, let's get back to it. Logan and Luciana Lyeth drive past the guardianship post on their way out of territory. They coast through the quiet hours of the mid-morning. The redwoods of Alice are replaced by farmland, then flowering trees, then deeply red plain hills. Logan parks in a parking lot located at the base of a bare hill. Together, they hike up a ways past a wooden post that reads, Mare Opame Alignment. Luciana brings out their circling stones and begins to set them in place as Logan watches, perched by the sign. Eventually, the seven rock glows. First try, as always. It is simply because I am the best. Naturally. Luciana offers her hand to her partner, and he takes it. Together again, they step through the circle. Mayor Opame has a permanent circle to Valis on their end. And it is directly in front of their chiefess's hall. Completely torn from one reality to another, Logan and Luciana exit the circle and briskly enter this building. This accumulation of domed roofs now. Logan always experiences an acute queasiness with circling as of late. But he finds pride that he is not sickened to the point of running to the trash this time. The doors open for them before their hands can touch the handle. Chiefess Juno welcomes them. Chiefess Juno, pleasure. Luciana, pleasure is mine. And Chieftain Lyeth. Yes, hello Juno. How interesting that you are here. How cryptic of you to say that. Lo? What? A lovely home you have. Oh, I do not live in the hall. Work-life balance, all that. Ah. As a symbol of hope and leadership to the territory, we find it beneficial for us to live what we preach, so to speak. I believe you mentioned the keyword symbol. Folks are capable of drawing their own metaphors out of the work we do and fending for themselves. Ah. Fending? Our Hierophant and Prophet are waiting to meet you right in here. Chief Juno opens the doors to the meeting hall. The Hierophant is there and evidently didn't realize just how punctual the Lyaths would be. Their mask is on the far end of the table, 
a middle-aged face filled with half of a granola bar, cheeks puffed out, eyes widely directed towards their visitors, smiles. Ah! Uh, um, hello, Susan! Susan? They finish their granola bar. They take a moment to chew. Then they take their time in putting the mask over their face. Chief Disjuno, only ever so slightly embarrassed by the time this is taking out of their day, turns to Gildo's seat, which is empty. Where is Gildo? Unsure. Mm. He's typically right on time. Yes, hence the confusion. Well, I'm certain he's around and probably doing his profit things and such. Hmm. Is something the matter? We could postpone. We are here until evening. No, no. Perhaps he double-booked himself. That seems unlike him. Well, we all have to start somewhere, but Chief Tinlyeth and his partner are on a sensitive schedule, and we have matters to attend to. Now, don't we? Logan, Luciana, please sit. So, I noticed your approval rating has increased. I'm not surprised, seeing as you've visibly taken an active role in your community this past year. Yes, with a proper delegation of tasks, we're finally figuring out what works best for the territory's triad. Oh, good, good. Yes, many aren't as fortunate as we have been to have had the same triad for over a decade. And you only became a triad again after a three-year hiatus, is that correct? Yes, the constant change does keep us on our toes, but... Tara's really been a rebuilding block. And how are things with your wise woman? Oh, prophetess. But Tara has been doing well. She's really made a name for herself in the community. Approval rates are resting much higher than I've previously seen. Huh. Have you heard why? Why? Uh, no. If folks want to gripe or praise the prophetess, they will do that. With the prophetess. And if they try to not, I'll direct them to do so. You see... That makes sense to me. Yes. Well, some folks don't have quite the blissful chiefdom. You do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, no. No, 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 no. It's not. Not even a little. I mean, maybe a little, but... We digress. You called this meeting to order, Logan. Yes. I am hoping to meet with each chiefdom that we hold good relationships or conduct a majority of our trade with. Oh, and Mayor Opamay is simply one or the other. No, no. We hope you are and continue to be both to Vellis. We just wanted to reach out, make sure we're all on the same page with circling standards since you are our main produce merchant, and discuss power transfer if it were to take place, things of that regard. Power transfer. Are you stepping down for an heir, Chieftain? Something like that, yes. I also wish to speak with you about a sensitive matter, which is the main reason I requested all three of you here. I was truly hoping your prophet could offer some insight. Aren't we all? <laughs> but we have a migration of sorts taking place. What territory would migrate to Vallis? Not a territory. Not even folks, really. So, animals. An infestation? They are actual creatures. Glowing beings made of energy that have begun appearing. And I bring this up because if I remember correctly, our prophetess was chased by one into our circle from Mare Opame. 
We don't know whether it passed through on our end and wasn't seen, then came right back, or if it came from your side. And I want to hear your thoughts. There are becoming more of them, and it's harder to hide. And I don't know what to do with these... I don't know if they are monsters or new friends. Chieftain Lyeth? Yes. We are aware to an extent about your condition. Are you feeling quite well? Do you need to go home? Logan's fingertips dig into his palms under the table. Luciana's hand touches his, softly prying his fingers out of a fist and holding them instead. He is well, and telling the truth. The chieftess's face does not change. Neither does the Hierophant's mask, but both of their shoulders are higher now. (laughs) (laughs) Levity is always welcome. May we carry on with the meeting, please? This mid-afternoon at the Chapel of Living Things, folks have accumulated, and the chapel has reached capacity for... It is time. For the Divine Obscurin Ceremony! So fun. So yay. Every hall is filled with spiritually attuned or hopeful folks, except one. The one which used to hold the painting and now holds the orange lore is barred off. By a simple under-maintenance sign, and like fools, folks of Alice believe it. Decorations have been attempted, although anything and everything simply takes away from the raw natural majesty of the inside of the Chapel of Living Things. Volunteers have set out candles along the walls, some hanging from the support stems of the ceiling. They are the only thing lighting this place, and most of Alice. Thus the crowd, seated in the red grass, is low-lit by warm, almost foreboding yellow light. A heap of shoes lies right outside the main entry, and the grass itself, for the most part, seems rather unbothered by the bare feet disturbing it. Terra, prophetess, enters this chapel with sage, traveling prophet. Oh, I see historical pieces. Oh, wow. I'll find you later. Okay. Fascinating. Tear, tear! Tara swivels to find Willow's blue head of hair inches from her own face. Willow! Since when do you come to these things? Oh, uh, Ovia invited me. Ovia? Dunes Ovia? Uh, yeah. I don't see her. Do you think she stood me up? Probably had a work thing. Ovia's a busy woman. Yes, that she is. It's pretty impressive, honestly. (laughs) Hey, is Dune not here? The rest of the family is. No, he isn't. Weird. Since he's, like, obsessed with this place. Huh. Hmm. Tara and Willow's brains attempt to connect some dots in this troubled and confused eye contact. Yet, as Tara can feel the neurons of Dune's secret identity about to connect, she decides... Not my business. And the neurons, they're like... No, Tara, it'll be such a revelation, and you love being right. And Tara's like, And I also value the volunteer's code and privacy measures. Ah! She's been deceived, for she has just admitted her suspicions after all. Shit, we're dropping this. And the neurons are like, We're done, we're done. Okay, well, Tara sits with the majority of the lives, sandwiched between Mikhail and Willow. He waves hello. Tara does this too. You guys are so, so good at this. 
and down the maintenance hallway in the back room filled with old books and care tools, Ovia stands facing a shorter table alone, clothed in ceremonial dusty yellows and dulled purples. Face bare, save for a couple stressed tears. Oh, Ovia. Shut up. She puts on the deer mask. Oh, how it has lovingly formed to her face. How safe it has become. The priestess of Vallis exits the back office. She passes the empty, gated gap in the wall. She steps over the maintenance sign. And she's surrounded by faces, eyes, geared towards her. She joins the groundskeeper of the chapel at the forefront and stands before her community. Then she turns away. Priestess, please unveil the divine obscurance. And Ovia does. She lifts up, facing away from the crowd, her mane of hair tucked into a sleeve, but her face is bare once again. She breathes fresh air. Oh, this fresh, fresh air. The cascade of scents overpowers her pleasantly, and it strikes her that she hasn't breathed in this chapel, as it were, since she had begun this job. Ugh, job. And she stares at this back wall now. Showered in green, green leaves, prickled with flowers of pinks and yellows. She shuts her eyes, her chin slowly lifting towards the canopy as she takes this all in. Beauty she gets now. Priestess? Obia looks, without thinking. She turns her head to the groundskeeper beside her, and this groundskeeper now sees a flash of freckles and turns their face away as if looking into the sun. Priestess! Right. And Ovia turns back again. <sighs> she puts on the fucking giraffe and turns back around. The giraffe. Vallis's new era is longevity and pride. And the crowd claps. Ellie Elioth within it briefly wonders how her drawing had gotten taken seriously in an entire bin of mask suggestions. She wonders more if it should have been, because it really does look more like a horse, right? Pride. No. But her words are lost to the bad acoustics of the mask. The Chapel of Living Things remains beautiful and low-lit still as the crowd files out after the ceremony. Some remain in peaceful silence. Not the priestess, no. She steals away at light speed. The current and familiar team, consisting of a volunteer, a caretaker, and a groundskeeper, must wait until no feet are left to muck up their groundskeeping. Okay, I folded all the blankets, stashed them behind the giving bush, and I really, really have a thing they need to get to. You've done well. You may go. Oh, thank, thank you. The groundskeeper turns to our caretaker, who is snuffing out candles, one by one by one. I didn't realize how late it was. I must get going as well. No prob, no prob, it's chill. I got this. Are you sure? It's just the loose ends left. I'll wrap up. Go be you. The groundskeeper nods once, twice. Close it well. Yes, groundskeeper. And without another thought, the groundskeeper is off down the hall. The volunteer remains, looking with some concern towards the lore's hallway, then the caretaker, but ultimately decides to go. The caretaker is alone in this space now. Finally. And they take off their mask. Their hair tumbles down, the smell of greenery punches Vita in the face. G.T. <coughs> and Vita gets to work. In short intakes of breath and shorter puffs, they extinguish the multitude of candles in the main circular chamber. She traipses down hallway number one until it is dark, then moving on to number two, then number four, then number five. 
Almost done. Almost. You skipped one. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Hallway number three. And I'm getting to it. Easy peasy. It just seems like you're stalling getting to it. No, I'm not. Well, you're talking to me, aren't you? <laughs> you're talking to me? Vita. Okay. Orville and Betty. Was it Patrick? Fuck, man. I don't know. She approaches the sectioned-off hall and carefully, barefoot, except for the boot, steps past the sign. She walks onwards and shushes the candles lining the walls. Easy fucking peasy. Okay. They're gated. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and bravely, she pushes onwards, down this hall, blowing out way too many candles in her opinion now. She makes her way down the left side of the hall, reaches the end, and follows the U back around. She sees the last candle. It's right in front of the gate. Are you kidding me, volunteer? And she is now able to see them. The orange lore with saddles and such. Her leg hurts still as she puts pressure on it now, and they both look at her, watching as if they remember her. Hey, I know we haven't, uh talked since, I don't know, whatever freaked you out, but, uh, sorry, I guess? The lore with the red blanket under its saddle watches. I'm, I'm sorry. I just need to get this and I'll be out of your hair. Vita stoops down slow. Fuck! Orville brushes against the gate in passing, and Vita is startled and looks again to the candle, which seems thousands of feet below her now. Oh, she would have to give up her vantage points to expose her back completely to these, these... Beasts. Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure about that, but... Oh, wait. She begins to run away. The candle has not been blown out. Vita, you forgot something. It's good enough. Vita, there's nothing to be afraid of. They won't hurt you. <laughs> right. Get back here now. Please, Vita, please be brave. Shit, Vita! <sighs> the orange lore, they bump the gate again and the candle. Vaughn from Mare Opame, past PPA to Gildo and current migrator to Vallis, wakes up in his packed up studio apartment. Clouds dance outside. The lack of belongings in this shell of a place would be disconcerting and anxiety-inducing to some, but Vaughn rather likes it. It makes this place feel finite, and oh, how ready he is for this chapter to end. Soon, that is. One more stop. Yes, one more. A very sudden stop, it seems. Vaughn had received the summon letter only last night, and is now taking Mayor Opame's transit bus to the Chiefess's Hall. He maintains his backpack on his back to really escalate the I-cannot-dilly-dally-long-I'm-afraid factor as he enters the hall and takes all of the familiar twists and turns into the offices. He walks by Gildo's quickly, then he stalls. The door is open. The light is off. Gildo should have been in an hour ago. I thought you didn't care. Karen like two different things. Vaughn! Vaughn rips his curious gaze from Gildo's empty room and enters Chiefess Juno's office instead. She smiles very plainly, her hands folded very precisely. Chiefess Juno, hey. Come in, please. Sit. 
Thank you for meeting with me on such short notice. I'm just glad you caught me. I'm headed out today and Vallis has very little service during Embar. Exciting things! Exciting things. Yes. Uh, Gildo, shouldn't he be in right now? He didn't show up for our meeting this morning. Being an old prophetic personal assistant, I wondered if you would have any insight into this sort of behavior. Perhaps he mentioned a trip or a double booking with you. Not particularly, no. Though I made the effort to not ask. Ah, well. Thanks, anyways. I have a circle to catch, so can we skip all this and get to the part where this is actually about my letter, right? You expressed deliberate concern for Gildo's standing in the community. Of course, this is about your letter. Have you seen Gildo? At all, Vaughn? Should I be concerned? He... Look, the last I saw him was a couple days ago. We had talked in his office, and then I left, and I know he walked home. Huh. If it's helpful, I did mention to him before leaving that he should speak to the folks in Lowtown more. There's a couple streets in Lowtown that are a shortcut for him to get home, and I know he traditionally avoids them. I wonder if that night he didn't. Huh. I shall speak with Hierophant, see if the Guardians know anything. I would, yes. Valis. Hmm. <laughs> you should pop in to see their prophetess. Tell her about what you used to do. It would be a fun connection. I'd rather not. Gil was enough to last me a lifetime, so... Logan Lyth was just here. He only had great things to say about Terrabon. Terrabon? From here? Yes. It's wonderful seeing some good work being done out of here. Right? A flash of wonder, confusion, and reconfiguring crosses Vaughn's eyes. Right. Goodbye, Chiefess Juno. And Vaughn leaves Juno alone. Juno stares through the empty doorway into Gildo's emptier office. A sigh escapes her lips. Though it is definitely not one of relief, it has tangible tightness to it. Worry, even. She feels deep, deep in her soul that something has gone terribly awry. Logan and Luciana return home to Lyoth Hall that afternoon. I'm sorry they didn't listen to the lore thing. Yeah, well, they will be sorry. Luciana peers at the clock above the central doorway. Hmm. We did end up missing the divine obscurance ceremony. It's a giraffe. Surprise. Giraffe? That's a choice. And very similar to the horse which we had, like, two masks ago, right? Oh. Oh. You are so right. Look at you, paying attention to the happenings of your community. Oh, well. Nap time, I think. Are you coming with? I have some stuff to catch up on. I'll meet you up there in a few. Okay. I'll wait up. She kisses him lightly on the cheek and leaves him to work. Logan peels away to his office. He keeps the door cracked open and sits at his desk. (laughs) Oh, it's been so long since Logan had even hummed. What you got there? Paperwork. Ooh. Logan Lyoth signs off on some paperwork. Oh, 
Reading takes energy. Frustrated with the lack of support he gets from his glasses that he hasn't renewed the prescription of in eight years, he yanks them off his face and sets them firmly on the table. He counteracts this by gently, softly, closing his laptop. (sighs) He rubs at his eyes. I think I am tired. Perhaps it's time to go join Lucy, he thinks. What was that? Red light shines dimly through the glare of the window in the dark, drifting up, then welcoming darkness once again. What's going on? Logan stands the quickest he has stood all year. Emergency flares? Logan walks faster than he thought possible to his office window. It's ground level overlooking Vallis, and he perceives far, far in the distance a fluttering, roaring orange light. Warm and bright, beating like a heart and swaying with the wind amongst the redwoods. Another emergency flare goes up, and another, and then he sees the smoke rising from the direction he knows the southern border's woods to be. Against all of the rain, something, something is still burning. Hopefully the emergency line works. Look, anyone who can hear me, we have eyes on the source of the flames. Calling all guards in the southeastern quadrant to living things. It's going up quickly. No sign of folks in or around, but these flames need to be contained now. Over. As this happens, Tara sits on the floor of her room, Helga's quilt draped over her legs to fight off the rainy day chill, and she continues to read. The first time I saw that blue one was during my second year as a wise woman. I recall seeing a harsh, eerily cool glow coming from Logan's office one night after hours. Huh. I was all packed up, ready to head off to bed, and his door was cracked open. I'm not an eavesdropper at all, but he was talking, and talking to himself, it seemed. There were no cars in the parking lot. It was late enough that the main hall was closed to the public, but here he was, chatting as if he were with a friend. I just don't get what the fuss is about. Yes, the community is starting to love little Ellie. That doesn't detract from any of the boys. Lucy really doesn't have a basis for where this weird anger is coming from. She isn't this way about her guy. And the sound of static, in waves, as if it were in some ocean of frequencies. Okay, well, I know Mikhail was before Lucy, and Ellie was after, but that... That shouldn't change how you treat a kid. It doesn't for me. And I I do love Dune and Eller. I do. Dune just... He's not ever going to be chief. He's just all over the place. Why can't he be more like Mikhail? He's the calmest kid I've ever seen. He does dishes. He changed Eller and Ellie's diapers while Dune was just running around. Like he was trying to be useless. Side note, Tara. I do hope Logan has shown some character development. I worried for his mental state, and with no real and true information, approached the door and wanted to knock. To offer a listening ear, but that sound, I I suppose I didn't do the best thing in the world. I eavesdropped. I cracked that door open a little more and I could see something. Someone, so unbelievably tall with no meat on its bones if it had them. It was blue, so blue. The same blue that emitted around the room, but intermixed with purples and aquamarines, and it did not have eyes, save for an accumulation of light where they would normally lie. 
or a mouth or ears from what I could see, but it still seemed to be intently listening, head tilted to the side. I didn't know what this was, though a year in, I'm sure you already know. I would see it occasionally after that. I wonder if it sensed that I could see it. It stood on the dining room table at times and messed with the lights. It slowly walked up and down the main stairwell, peering over the banister, watching the boys chase each other. It never interacted with anything or anyone at all, save for those nights I would hear Logan speaking with it, to it, at it. Why are you telling me this? For months, we watched each other and watched the family from a safe distance. But this ended one evening, two years into my residency. And what it attempted to do is the reason I'm writing to you. I hope recounting this incident allots some perspective into this creature's inner workings. And please know this is only one account of many to follow, which I shall then list. What it attempted incident. What the fuck is in the hall, Helga? Tara, alert, looks up to the window immediately. What is it this time? And somewhere to the north, Vita, our caretaker, our guardian, whose radio is raging now, sits, curled into the tightest ball on her bed, pillow over her ears, shock-stealing tears that should be in her eyes. Somewhere to the south, the Chapel of Living Things burns. It burns perfectly. It burns brightly and wildly. You can see it from anywhere in Valis. In a flame-based triangle, it swallows everything, everything around it. The red grass mixes with the reds of the fire. Inside, orange figures dance freely. Let loose from their pen, unfazed, perplexed, Intrigued. And back in the north, Logan Lieth is. Logan? Logan? Dad? Eller Lieth stands in his father's office doorway. He's just returned home himself, had seen the light on, and the flash of light in the sky through the window. Dad? Hello, Absolute Tens. I'm Hope Bellinger, director and producer of Average Folks. Thank you for listening to this episode. Sound design by Elise Bradford. Mixing by Hope Bellinger. Original music by Liam Greenlee. Instagram at Average Folks Official. Or visit us at our website, average-folks.com. <laughs>